Good morning, everybody. Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. Ephesians chapter 6. It's a joy to see smiling faces. It's a joy to be back among you. This has been a great weekend, praise God. I know that the living God will... um, will have a work in this auditorium this morning to the extent that we will let him. And so I just want to begin with prayer. Typically, I read the passage first, but I just want to bow and pray. Father, you are a beautiful, awesome, powerful God. The God from whom heaven and earth will flee away and there will be found no place for them in Revelation chapter 20. The God of love, the God of judgment, the God of tenderness and compassion and intimacy, the God of justice and condemnation. Every attribute of yours is perfect. You wield each one of your attributes in in perfect balance, in perfect harmony. The creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. Nobody will ever love the people in this room the way that you do. Nobody will ever sacrifice for the people in this room the way that you do. Nobody has better things in their mind and in their heart for the people in this room than you do. Nobody has the ability to radically change lives the way that you do. Lord, I've seen you do it at least a thousand times over in this last couple of years. I've seen you do it in Scotland. I've seen you do it in Northern Ireland, in Ireland. You're the God who, who loves people. You're the God who longs for good things for people. Lord, we want to begin our time by, by just bowing in the presence of, of majesty, bowing in the presence of, of a God of authority. It's only appropriate that we would tremble before the word of God. And we do. Through the eye of faith, we bow before you. You sit enthroned in the heavens. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. We bow. Lord, we ask that you would please have your way. And, And I'm not asking you to be willing. You've been willing because of it's because of who you are. We don't have to ask you to be willing Lord, we just pray that whatever it takes, that you would move in your power in this auditorium. We pray that from the time that we read the scriptures here in just a moment, that the spirit of God would just be unleashed in this place to convict of sin, to convict of righteousness, to convict of judgment, to convict also of blessing, to remove stumbling blocks. Lord, we love you. How could we possibly know you at all? And not love you. You are the greatest thing that's ever happened to any person. To know you is to love you. To know you more is to fall in love with you again and again and again. So we lay this time at your feet. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 10. If you want to jot down a title, just jot down praying in the spirit. So two times in God's New Testament, we find that little phrase, praying in the Spirit. Um, I guess I'll just start this way. It's the most joyful thing I've ever discovered in, in all of my life. 
Um, prayer is really just Christ. Um, and that's what I love about it. At one point in this journey, I was standing up in front of people and saying, I don't even like the word prayer anymore. And then my wife would say, Scott, you can't say that, you know, and I would say, I don't know what to say. Right. And what I was really trying to figure out how to say is that what I'm trying to communicate is communion. Right. That I, that when we say the word prayer or prayer meeting, typically what we think of is you come, you make a list on a on a whiteboard like this. You make a list and then you supplicate. Right. And that's biblical. That's wonderful. And that's biblical. But typically amongst the people of God, it's somewhat limited to that aspect of prayer. But really praying in the spirit in prayer in general, it's just this amazing, mind blowing relationship with with Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at um, this morning, praying in the Spirit in the context of Ephesians 6. Tonight, praying in the Spirit in the context of Jude. And I'll go ahead and throw this out there. My favorite message uh, for the weekend is tonight's message. And it's the perfect conclusion to everything we've been talking about all weekend long. So if there's any way that you can possibly come out tonight, I, I would urge you for Christ's glory and for your own benefit to come out and listen to what God has said in the book of Jude. So let's read it. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, or that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And for sake of time, go to verse 18, if you would. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So for our purposes today, I have three observations from the text. You'll notice that I skipped right over the armor of God. That's a beautiful section. It's just beyond what we have the time to, to look at this morning. But with what we read, I just want to make three simple observations from the text. Point number one, we are in a battle. If you're taking notes, this would be point number one in my, in my simple outline, that we are in a battle. The Believer's Bible Conference, the conference formerly known as Rise Up, um, asked me to speak on this subject just a number of months ago at this last conference. And so when I looked it up, praying in the Spirit, when I recognized, okay, it says it two times in the New Testament, you instantly know, okay, I must study this in its context to understand what did the original author mean to the original recipient. And so the very first thing you do is read the text, Right. Uh, this is Bible study 101. <laughs> read the text. And so I sat down, I read the text, and the first thing I noticed is that it is set in the context of a battle. And immediately, my heart rejoiced at, at this reminder. This is such a desperately needed reminder amongst the people of God that we are in a spiritual battle. I kick myself that I got to 43 years old with so little consciousness of this fact. Um, I won't name their names, but close friends of, of mine, um, they're all saying the same thing, that we're finally in the battle. That's the way they would say it, that, that it just seems that I wondered at one point, is it just that the Lord is opening my eyes 
to the fact that there's a raging spiritual battle all around us? Or are we actually entering into the battle and actually fighting on a spiritual level? Like one close friend of mine, he said this. He said, this is one of the most zealous people that I know and mature. Um, he said this. It's amazing when you really want to be involved in spiritual work that you must be a man of prayer. That's so simple, right? And yet, and yet we so devastatingly lacked that aspect of our lives for, for so, so, so long. We were down on the island of Spanish Wells maybe two years ago. I got up on a Saturday morning, went to a men's prayer meeting. My wife was asleep. She's a light sleeper. And so I jumped, I crawled out of bed as, as delicately as I could, um, brushed my teeth, got, got ready, kind of creeped out of the apartment, right? And so I'm gone. She knows, she knows what I was doing. Um, she, uh, while I'm gone, the door opens to the bedroom where she's staying. The door closed to the bedroom where she was staying. Something came in and sat on the bed. By the way, I asked the Lord, should I share this with God's people? And the Lord said, read the passage, right? Paul talks about the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. Like that was my answer from God. Um, so, so something sits next to her on the bed. She, the whole time she was perfectly at peace. She thought I was coming back from the prayer meeting and then boom, right? Just like boom, something grabbed her and she couldn't blink. She couldn't breathe. She couldn't scream. Nothing. Just boom. Right. And she's just laying there frozen. It holds her for a number of seconds and then it releases her. And when it released her, she kind of threw her arms like this. And she said, she doesn't have any recollection of what she said, but she just kind of started like like fighting with her hands and and with her words and then boom grabbed her again and she's just laying there just frozen right this is spanish wells one of the most intensely evangelical places in north america right 1300 people three gospel preaching churches almost every kid on the island goes to sunday school um this is one of the last places that i would imagine encountering spiritual warfare and so again, long story short, it releases her. Eventually I came back, um, and, and I was sitting there with my coffee in the recliner and she said, babe, I have to tell you something. And she told me this story and I said, babe, that's a demon, right? And she wasn't even ready to call it anything yet, right? Um, which I, I admire, right? She's just being cautious, right? And I said, babe, like I have a good friend that has walked the gospel in and out and Bible teaching in and out of China for years. And he describes the exact same thing outside a Buddhist temple. He takes a picture, lowers his hand, something hits him in the stomach, boom, doubles him over. And then he's just frozen. Right? He described the exact same thing. It's just demonic activity. So, so the Lord has been opening our eyes over the last number of years to a raging battle. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell any more stories. I have no desire to stand up here and tell more stories, but I want to underscore the fact that we are in a raging spiritual battle. And the Lord is opening so many people's eyes and, and causing them to see more and more and more. And again, I'll just say it one more time. I've wondered is it that we're just seeing it or is it the fact that before I was taken up with the physical activity of the church and now we're actually entering into the spiritual battle? And my conviction is that we are actually by grace entering into real warfare. And so we're actually seeing what is what is around. So the Apostle Paul, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord because of this battle. Right. In the power of his might, because of this battle, put on the whole armor of God, because you're in a battle that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the scheming of the devil. Uh, a, a huge percentage of North Americans no longer believe that the devil is an actual person. Right. 
They believe that he represents evil, like he's a picture of evil in society. But we don't believe that, do we? The scripture is very clear about this, that the devil is a being. Amen? Right? And, and this says that, the, I mean, God says that, that he is a scheming, powerful being. He would destroy every marriage in the room. Amen? He would destroy our kids. He's despicable. You know what I felt like after that encounter that my wife experienced? Oh, let's try to say this without crying. I felt like you messed with my wife. And please understand like how little and how pitiful I am. Like I would never, I would never be like, yeah, come on. Right. I mean, how, how foolish, how stupid that would be. Right. I mean, the scripture backs every, all the, this up. Right. But I really, honestly, as a husband, I thought you messed with my wife. You know what it made me do? It made me pray. I was like, you messed with my wife. That was a Saturday. You messed with my wife. And so, man, I prayed and I asked people to pray and I preached with all my heart, sought to preach, empowered by the spirit of God the next day. And anyways, um, that's how we fight. We fight with the word of God. We let the Lord fight, right? Even an archangel would say to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I mean, these are powers that, that, that are vast. They're vast. Um, and the battle is so real. It's so funny. Like as a 43 year old, I've been saying recently, I've been saying, I just can't believe like prayer is real. Prayer works. The battle is real. The, the battle is necessary. Like prayer is such a weapon and it's effective, right? That's, that's the context of what he's saying that, that you are in a battle. Be strong in the Lord. In, in the Greek, that's be continually strengthened. So one chapter before, it's be filled with the Spirit, right? Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's be continually filled. So here, it's be continually strengthened. And you see it in both phrases. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. And so this is a key point. Um, it, this is power as an endowment. And what I mean by that, right, to use a biblical illustration, I think the greatest illustration I can think of is Samson. If you read that story in Judges 13 through 16, multiple times throughout that story, you see the Spirit of God coming mightily upon Samson. When you think of Samson, do you picture an Arnold Schwarzenegger-like character? Right? This is the way the world pictures him. The Scripture just says that his power came from the Spirit of God. Right? There's no indication that he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Um, His power came from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came on him mightily, and then these incredible things were done through him because of a fullness, because of the effect of the Spirit of God. Man, that makes me want the fullness of the Spirit of God, too. The Lord Jesus in Luke 11, he said, how much more? Will your heavenly father give this, give the spirit to those that ask him, right? Not the indwelling, right? Not the sealing, but the fullness, right? Filled with all the fullness of God. I think the Lord Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he gave that prayer request. And man, I pray that with all my heart. I pray that, um, Samson was a, a beautiful picture of, of this be continually strengthened. One of the, one of the saddest phrases in the word of God to me is that same story when it says he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Do you remember that? So he goes out to fight the Philistines and he wist not. He knew not that the spirit had departed from him. So he was entering right back into the battle the same way, but now he had no power. So he ends up a slave. He ends up in enemy territory. He ends up with no sight, right? They put out his eyes before he was free to win the victories of God. Now he's not. It's really an incredible picture. 
By the way, I have to say this. So many of you in here, you're living compromised Christian lives. Um, I know this. Uh, you're living compromised Christian lives. And compromised Christian lives lead to a Samson-like life where you're no longer free to win the victories of God. Um, you're living in enemy territory rather than where you're supposed to live. You're shackled by by sin. Um Here's two prayer requests. We're going to talk about praying in the spirit. Second Corinthians says um, the tearing down of strongholds, right? That's part of spiritual warfare. The tearing down of strongholds. That has to do with false thinking amongst the people of God. And then the one that's a particular burden. I've been here for three days. And I know that what I'm about to say is an issue in this room, right? This is a particular burden of mine. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll go right back to 6. But Ephesians chapter 4, it's in verse 26. In the context of a, of a bunch of different kinds of sin, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The word place there, it could also be translated opportunity. It's the Greek word tapos, and, and it's the idea of a foothold. So, so with false thinking, those are strongholds that need to be torn down in prayer. False thinking hurts the people of God. We fight that through, through praying, and we see the tearing down of strongholds in prayer. Um, sin, the sin that you all struggle with, that I know is present and, and is, is a current struggle in this room, that the sin that, that, is in your life is cracking the door open and then the wily devil right literally the scheming devil then has the opportunity to reach through that cracked door and to influence your life there's someone in my family that used to call me on fridays why fridays that was the day that I went to the airport and flew out to a conference just like this. They would call me regularly on fridays. I would pick up the phone and they would just light into me. And and I would sit there trying to be loving, trying to be Christ-like, trying to be gracious, praying for grace to help in time of need. I would eventually hang up just like bloodied, you know, and, and just like, oh, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I feel like I don't even want to get on the plane. And eventually, week after week after week, eventually I realized, oh, wow, the devil has a way to reach into that person's life and influence them. It's because of sin. If you want to know exactly what it is, it's bitterness. And that bitterness opens the door and then the enemy can reach in and say, hey, why don't you call Scott right now? Right. Scott's going to go seek to preach God's word for the weekend. I would like to fight against that. And he can tap that person on the shoulder. When I realized that, I thought, wow, that person's not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And I need to pray for that person that I love who has a door that's open where the enemy can reach in and influence their lives. Does this make sense? And so it's so important. I mean, please, right? We are in a raging spiritual battle. Strongholds. We must pray about this. We don't have to know what every stronghold is, but we must labor in prayer for our brothers and sisters that strongholds will be torn down. False thinking that is killing the spiritual vitality of the people of God. And then footholds, right? I've been here for three days, and I know that this is an issue in this auditorium. Footholds. The sin that you're aware of, the sin that you've talked about, not past tense. That sin, it cracks the door open. These things, they must be dealt with, right? We cannot live lives where the enemy has the ability to reach in and, and influence the people of God. I hate this, right? I hate that he has so many open doors. And I'm really, now I'm speaking in general. I hate that he has so many open doors among the people of God to, to influence. So, 
Point number one, you're in a battle. Point number two, we fight on our knees. We fight on our knees. And I want you to see this right from the text. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And then skip all the way down to verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So he says, you're in a battle. Because you're in a battle, I'm giving, I've given you all this armor that you have to put on, right? That's what people in battles do. And then once you have every piece of armor on, what is the first activity that the Christian is instructed to enter into? Prayer, right? So Hudson Taylor, he, he said, we go forward on our knees. I would screen this from the mountaintops if I could in North America. This is how the next generation of work in North America will be born or is being born would be more accurate. And this is how we proceed forward for the glory of Christ in this generation on, on our knees. So how do we fight this battle? We pray always, right? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So what does it mean to pray always? Christians live with a lot of guilt about prayer. Have you noticed that? Like you ask a Christian about, about prayer and they'll, oh, I, I ought to pray more, right? Oh, I know, I ought to pray more. And there's so much enigma about like, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Like, does that mean I'm supposed to go into my prayer closet and never come out? Right? Of course it doesn't mean that. You can't live a Christ-like life. You can't, you can't live in obedience to the admonitions of scripture if that's what it means. Like if you compare scripture with scripture, you cannot possibly come to that conclusion. So what does it mean praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit? The Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter six, he said of people that prayers bouncing off the ceiling, right? He says of the kind of people, he says they think they will be heard for their many words. So is it just like, in fact, it's a fool, honestly, that just babbles in the presence of God. And the Lord knows, like, I'm not trying to be hard on anybody. I pray, Lord, keep me from being a fool in your presence. Keep me from acting like a fool when I come into your presence. Like, it's not just the saying of many words in the presence of God, praying always. It, the idea, very simply, is is don't ever hang up the phone. This is such a radically life-changing, awesome idea, right? You 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 get this connection. We have a connection because of Christ. But then you take advantage of that connection. Lord, my little girl, she's got cancer. I, I need, I need you. I need you, Lord. Right? Something happens in your life and, and now you want to pray. Um, and if you're anything like me, then the problem is once you, once you expel that need to pray, then my habit for the vast majority of my Christian life was, Lord, thank you so much. Um, I commit this to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, click. And then I would go. And I'm not saying I would go back to a life of sin and debauchery, right? I'd go back to a life of service. But that was my habit. That was the practical living out of the reality of how I walked with God. I need to talk with God. Okay, now I'm done. Click. And what he's saying is there needs to be a constant connection, a constant communion. This is the joy of prayer. Like this instruction and what we'll look at tonight, this is the joy of prayer. Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Is he the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? Yeah. He's the most delightful person in my life. I remember not not long ago, a couple of years ago, um, I said, babe, to my wife, I said, do you mind if I actually tell people that I love the Lord more? Because that wasn't true five years ago. 
right? I enjoyed her more. I enjoyed her fellowship more. Um, really, practically speaking, I loved her more. I'm not saying that I esteemed her more highly. Of course, that's not true. But but I would have enjoyed my friends more than I enjoyed Christ too. But now that's not true. He's the greatest friend in my life. In fact, I can't believe that I have a friendship with the second member of the Godhead. I just can't believe that. Like every day, I can't believe that. And what what it's saying is you you have a constant connection with him. By the way, she said, no, I don't mind if you tell people that you love the Lord more. And I said, oh, good. <laughs> and then I said, do you love the Lord more than me? She's like, of course I love, I love the Lord more than I love you. A young couple came to me one time and said, I realize that I love my spouse more than I love the Lord Jesus. What should we do? I said, get to know your spouse and get to know Christ. And that will totally like flip, you know, the Lord Jesus is so delightful, isn't he? He's so delightful. And, and so to walk with him, to have a constant connection with him, it is the joy of time. It's the joy of life now. And it's the joy of eternity. It, 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 yeah, a friendship with God. It's unbelievable. And so he's admonishing them to have a constant connection with the Lord. And so in times of intense activity, it doesn't mean that you're praying all the time. Like should a brain surgeon be whispering prayers as he's, as he's working away. No, he should be focusing, right? And Christ had had days of intense activity for God, Mark chapter 1. And then and then he had other days where he'd just go off to the mountains to pray. So whatever a day brings, you just don't hang up the phone. And, and on a practical level, I'm growing into that little by little by the grace of God. It's a journey, right? I mean, it's a fundamental biblical truth that we live our lives based on, but the, the living out of it is a journey. And so my invitation on behalf of Jesus Christ, this is awesome, um, is just, just say, oh, Lord, I want that. Right. Your word, it says that I can live in constant communion with you, that I don't ever have to answer or don't ever have to hang up the phone. And I want that. I want that to be a reality in my life. I went on a missions trip like 13, 14, 18 years ago. I don't remember to Africa. And the guy I went with, he said, "Okay, theme for the trip. And I said, "Okay, what is it? He said, never resist an urge to pray. And that was so good for the first time in my life. Anytime somebody had a burden to pray, we didn't look at each other and say, may we pray, right? Right. You just prayed. So if you're walking along and you wanted to say something, you just say it to the Lord. And it's just the reflection of the reality that he is indeed there. My problem is that I would tend to live like he wasn't there in a given moment. And so you had to bow your head, close your eyes, right? And and then enter into, quote unquote, the presence of God, where we live in the presence of God. So praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Again, if you're unpacking the verse, this is so beautiful. He uses two terms, prayer, that's general, supplication, that's specific, and he specifically decided to do this as inspired by the spirit of God, praying all praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So prayer, what does that mean? It, it encapsulates every form of biblical prayer. So it would include supplication, intercession. That's a beautiful kind of prayer. Well, we need intercessors. Lord, raise up intercessors. People, you know, the one thing that I asked for the team in California, like Lord willing, six weeks we drive west. Um, uh, the one, the one primary thing that I've asked God for, for the team in California, and I, this has been like two years of asking the Lord for this and watching the Lord bring this about. The one thing is, Lord, just give, give me men that know how to pray. 
Give me men that cannot stand to not be in the presence of God. Give me men that know what it means to lay hold of God in prayer. And it's been such a beautiful thing to watch the Lord bring that about. That's the one thing that I've just so hungered for, right, in the presence of God. Men that know, they know what it means to walk with God, to intercede. Thanksgiving is a beautiful, beautiful kind of prayer. Adoration. I have a friend in Canada. We've prayed together on Thursdays for like six or seven years now. He went on a two-hour walk a little while ago, and um, he determined before God to do nothing except adore him for two hours. And he said it was quite a discipline because we're so used to asking for what we want. He said it was really a beautiful exercise just to go on this two-hour walk with the Lord and do nothing except adore Him that entire time, right? That's included in this word, prayer, right? That's a biblical form of prayer. Confession, one thing that that the Lord will lead us to as we pray in the Spirit is times of deep, uh, tear-filled confession as we're led by the Spirit of God. Worship. I had very little to no private worship life a number of years ago. That's been an incredible joy to learn what it means to sit in your prayer closet and just like this and just worship the Lord and to the point where you're just sitting there, just you, just him. You're tasting eternity, sitting in the sunshine of God's love. We'll talk about that tonight. And you're, and you just end up thinking, I don't ever want to leave this place. Lord, this is what heaven will be like. And it's just amazing, right? A, a worship meeting with just you and God. Um, and then that radically transforms, of course, public worship too, when, when the saints are doing this in private. Um, consecration, imprecatory prayer, and travail. Um, my purpose today isn't to go into the details of what these things are, but let me just say that this journey is unbelievably awesome, right? Learning about prayer. Prayer is Christ, right? It's the expression of a love relationship with Christ. And so as you live with the phone not hung up, empowered, led, guided by the Spirit of God, He will guide you to these different kinds of prayer, and what He will teach you is unbelievably awesome. It is such a privilege. Yeah, such a privilege. Prayer and supplication. Supplication is making requests to God. He says it right there in the text. Um, yeah, not long ago I said, I said, Lord, I've had these for like three years and I said, I think I probably, I think I probably, Lord, could use a new pair of glasses before we go to California. That was a Saturday. I was in Texas for a funeral. And I got a text from somebody within 20 minutes, I think. I got a text saying, did you, do you need a new pair of glasses? And, and I, I wrote him back and I said, well, I think I might need a new pair of glasses in the coming months. And he's like, the Lord put it on my heart. I, I'd like to buy you a pair of glasses. That's supplication, Right. Um, what else is supplication? Lord, I want to love the way that you love. That's supplication. Lord, I don't love the way that you love. When I run into people out there, I don't react to them all the way that you react to them, Lord Jesus. Would you please, would you please change me? Please, please. Oh, Lord, I'm so little like you. Would you please change me so that, so that people actually see Christ, right? The life of Christ. That's supplication, right? And that's, it's the first kind of prayer. It's the first kind of prayer that we typically think of. So let's spend the, um, let's look at this little phrase. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. What does that mean? For those of you that were here, um, yesterday we looked at Colossians 2, being built up in him, walking in him. You find these little phrases scattered around the word of God. In Galatians 5 and Romans 8, um, you find this phrase, walk in the spirit. What does that mean? 
again, it's, it's somewhat complex theological concept, right? But just to boil it down as simply as I possibly can for our purposes this morning, it means to allow him to have his way. It's a yielded life. That's what it means to be filled too, yielded. Don't be controlled by alcohol. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. Don't be filled with alcohol. Be filled by the Spirit of God. Right? If you're filled with that, it controls you. So be filled with this. So He controls you. Right? Allow Him to have His way. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Again, we'll talk about this tonight too. But this is such a beautiful biblical concept. It means to allow Him to have His way. This is such an awesome journey. Not not long ago, I didn't know that the Spirit of God would tell you when to pray. I didn't know that the Spirit of God would tell you when to stop praying. A group of like six of us decided we'd get together Sunday afternoon in Topeka and we were going to pray until Monday afternoon at 2, right? So we started Sunday afternoon at 2. That was our heart, right? To pray till Monday afternoon at 2. We got to 6.30 in the morning and the Spirit of God at the same time, for it, there were four of us at that point, um, the Spirit of God said to all four of us in the same moment, that's enough. That was the first time in my life the Spirit had ever said, okay, that's enough. You can stop praying. I didn't know the Spirit of God did that. I knew the verses like pray always, right? Pray without ceasing. Pray and faint not, right? I knew that. And so we were trying to zealously press on in prayer. And the Lord said, okay, that's enough. That's all I have for you right now. And everyone, there's, I mean, this is the only way I know to explain it. These are mature servants of God. And every one of them heard in the same moment, that's enough. And so we talked about it. And we all knew that's enough. The Spirit of God just brought our prayer meeting to an end. And so we closed in prayer. We hugged. We went out and had breakfast. And we went back our different ways across the Midwest. Um, that was really neat, praying in the Spirit. Um, travail. That's the hardest work I've ever done in my life, period. Um, the Spirit of God will send a burden. Some people call it an intolerable burden on you. And you must pray. Pray or die. Right. Pray as led by the spirit of God. Pray as empowered by the spirit of God. Um, the idea is that you make yourself available to pray and then the spirit of God directs what you should pray about, how long you should pray. Um, it was one of the first lessons that Mike and I learned years ago. Uh, we were so burdened about the state of the church, adultery, idolatry, complacency, on and on. We're so burdened about the 530 million souls in North America that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this generation that we thought, let's get together and pray. So we did. And again, we were going to pray from check-in at a hotel. We met halfway between our houses. We were going to pray from check-in to check-out. And so we had lunch before check-in. And I looked across the table. I said, Mike, have you ever done this before? And Mike Outwood, he said, no. Um, he said, have you ever done this before? I said, no. I said, do you know how to have an all-night prayer meeting? He said, no. He said, do you know how to have an all-night prayer meeting? I said, no. Right? And we have the same heart, right? Same mind, right? We're very, you know, and so, and so I actually pulled my phone out and we made a list of like six things. This is what we want to pray about. And, and so we got to the hotel, we checked in, we got on our knees at the end of our respective beds. And within about 10 minutes, we had prayed through our list. And, and please know, like many times it occurred to me, this could be a really long night, you know, like we'd never done this before. No idea. Like two little kindergartners, empty hands, like no idea what we're doing. And you know what the Lord did when we finally got to the end of ourselves, he started to lead. And so that first two hour prayer meeting was beautiful. Like Mike would end his sentence, boom, and I would just start talking, boom. And, and so just prayer back and forth, you know, all for, for two, two and a half hours. And then we, we took a break and we said, okay, um, I still remember this. Mike said, he said, let's read our Bibles. And I thought, great idea. 
And um, so we sat down on the beds, we read our Bibles, and I picked up exactly where my chronological Bible reading was for the year, right? And within five minutes, the Lord showed me what we should pray about next. And in that instant, I looked up and I looked at Mike. He looked up and looked at me. I said, what should we pray about next? And he said it, right? The Lord showed us what we should pray about next. These were incredible lessons at the time, right? So pray as directed by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Um, the problem with so much of our praying in North America is that we make a list. And when you get to the end of the list, you say, amen, that was great. Thank you for coming. And you, and you move on, right? And so we just stop early. We don't get to the place where we're just there, Right? Because we have to be there. Because, because we desperately need God and we cannot solve the problems of sin that are in this room. And so it forces you to your knees. The strongholds that must be torn down, the footholds that are influencing lives, these things are wrestled about in, in prayer. Praying in the Spirit. Um, uh, this came from a godly man years ago. Um, he just encouraged me to pray through my assembly every week. And so I got a notebook. I put every family and then every individual under the family and I broke it up into six days because life is crazy. So I always, in any kind of discipline like this, I always give myself a buffer day, right? Because you're going to miss a day. Usually every week you miss a day. And so so I was praying through the, the saints in the assembly one day. I got to one particular young man in the assembly and the Spirit of God would not let me move past this young man. I think many of you have probably experienced this. And so I'm praying for him, praying for him, praying for him. And then the Spirit of God says, in that quiet place, the Spirit of God says, call him. And so now you've shifted from praying in the Spirit to walking in the Spirit. So I pull out my, my phone and I call him. I said, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? He's like, good. You know, and, and, uh, and I just felt so unsettled, you know. And so I asked him a slightly more direct question. And, and he's like, oh, you know, thanks for calling. That's very kind. I'm, I'm good. And I just felt sick, right? I just felt so unsettled. And so I finally said to him, when is the last time that you viewed pornography? Right? I don't typically call the saints and ask this question. Um, but, but in that given moment, right, I know looking back, it's so obvious that I was being directed by the Spirit of God. He sat in silence at the other end of the phone. And then after just a period of silence, he said, he said, okay, this is of the Lord. And he just opened up, right? And you know what the Lord did? Not instantly, but you know what the Lord did in his life? By the way, it didn't take forever. It was just weeks. He started meeting with the oversight in the assembly, and the Lord set him free. Isn't that beautiful? Right? The devil had a way to reach into his life and influence, compromise his Christian life, riddle him with guilt, no power, no confidence in the Lord, right? The devil had this consistent way to reach into his life. And, and through the application of the Word of God, um, by the Spirit of God, through skilled elders, um, just in weeks, he was just set free. And last time I talked to him, he's just rolling, right? And this is an admirable young man, admirable young man, a wonderful young man in, in our assembly. Um, yeah, I'm not going to tell more stories, but it is beautiful. Praying in the Spirit. Weist puts it this way. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is the prerequisite to effectual praying. The Spirit, when yielded to, leads us in our petitions and generates within us the faith necessary to acceptable and answered prayer. So the fullness of the Spirit, that's, that's what makes prayer work. Have you ever, um, have you ever read verses in the Word of God about prayer and thought, yikes. Have you ever done that? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Have you ever read that and thought, man, I don't know that my life really looks like that. 
It's the fullness of the Spirit that unlocks those passages. When you're walking in the Spirit, when you're praying in the Spirit, that's when all those passages just beautifully come to life in your life. Like that's the living out. Because then you're praying what the Spirit of God wants you to pray. When Dan was revived a year ago, he had a period of two or three weeks. And and I used to say, never in my life had I seen um, someone pray every day and receive answers to prayer every day. And we're talking like four times a day. Like he used to text me after every answered prayer. And it was just like, I mean, every day. Why? It's because he was yielded to God. He was filled with the spirit of God. He was walking in the spirit. He was praying in the spirit. And so the things that he were burdens to him were the things that were burdens to God. And so he would pray about that and boom, the Lord would answer. It was a beautiful time of watching the Lord in, in his life. This is an amazing, this is an amazing, amazing journey. Okay. One more point and then we'll be done. Point number three, we must press on. We must press on again. Please notice it from the text. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Two words I want to highlight and then we'll be done. Watchful is the word agripneo. It means to continue or to be vigilant. That is an exhortation inspired by the spirit of God to continue in prayer. To be vigilant in prayer. By the way, for those of you that want to dig more into these things, this is a beautiful study. Um, Peter's testimony, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The Lord Jesus, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? This is a neat study. For those of you that are real students and you want to dig into this, this is a wonderful study. Um, Be watchful, vigilant, continue. And then he even advances the thought with the word perseverance here. That word perseverance, what does that mean if you look it up? It means stick it out and don't quit. Have some of you quit on prayer? I've lived long enough amongst the people of God that I know that that's true. Why is there an admonition in the scripture, pray and faint not? Because because our tendency is to faint, right? Why is there an admonition to be serious in your prayers, to continue diligently in prayer? Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, says the Apostle Paul. Why? It's because our tendency is to not pray or to pray for a time and then quit praying. So please hear the admonition of the Lord. Now, I want to publicly repent. And I mean this very, very earnestly in the presence of God. I, Scott DeGroff, publicly repent. I have gone all over North America um, in my adult life. And I've read verses just like this. Um, I know, I, I'm so confident. I mean, do, I don't remember it coming out of my mouth, but I'm sure that I stood in this pulpit and did the exact same thing. I read verses like this, and then I said, you must come to the prayer meeting. That was my application. And I used to say in my 20s, there are good reasons to miss the midweek prayer meeting. And then I would say, a heart attack. And I was trying to emphasize the fact that we must, we must, Now, what I'm publicly repenting of is not that I was preaching an unbiblical standard. What I'm publicly repenting of is the fact that I was preaching a standard that's a level of a two. And the standard presented in the word of God is like a hundred. This admonition is, is you be serious about prayer. You stick it out and you do not quit. But notice that it does not say anything about the midweek prayer meeting. You notice that? It's saying be a Christ-like people of prayer. Have constant communion with the Lord and never hang up. It's a horrible disservice, almost to the point of sin, 
for preachers to read that and then to have such an incredibly low standard that they present to God's people. We, we must press on into is not physical attendance of the midweek prayer meeting. We must press on into a Christ-like life of prayer, which will produce a commitment to when God's people are together to pray, that's where I'm going to be. Does that make sense? And so I mean this. The Lord knows. Like he can see right through me. Unprofitable servant. I was wrong. I apologize. What I, what I said to God's people was not biblical. Yeah, I mean, it did not match the standard that's right there in the word of God. We must press on to be a Christ-like people of prayer. So I have books. I have like seven books right here. Um, if anybody wants those, come up and ask me. I'll gladly tell you. Um, my journey has been this. It's taken me five years, six years to learn this. Helplessness led me to be finally in my Christian life, a person of prayer. Prayer all of a sudden gave birth to communion with Jesus Christ, which just blew my mind. I thought you had to wait till heaven for that. I couldn't believe it. When the presence of God flooded my office, I stopped mid prayer and I looked up and he was everywhere. And I just said, you're here, aren't you? And every day since that moment, I enjoy the Lord every day. I enjoy his presence. I would rather die then lose that intimacy with Christ. Prayer gave birth to communion. Communion gave birth to intimacy. Intimacy gave birth to abiding. Abiding gave birth to a friendship with Jesus Christ. This is what we're being invited into in in the word of God. If you want the books, um, come tell me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. Thank you for the work that you want to do in this auditorium. Lord, I can tell. Um, I know what you want to do in many lives that are seated here in this auditorium. You would have your people be free from that which hinders them. You would have them be free from past wounds that, that, that keep them from pressing on. Lord, I see it all the time. Christians make progress and then they fall back. They make progress and then they fall back. They make progress and then they fall back. Lord, it becomes so evident that they're living a hindered Christian life. You would have these people be free. Lord, the strongholds in this room, this is a kindergartner speaking to God. Lord, I, I, maybe it's a silly statement, but I do not see the way you see. But you see beautifully. You see perfectly. You know the strongholds that are in this room that must be fought in prayer. You know the footholds, according to Ephesians 4, that must be slammed shut through the application of the word of God and through prayer. You would have your people be free. You would not have your people be like Samson. Lord, he, bound in a foreign land, living a, a compromised life, he said, oh God, strengthen me. And we would pray today, oh God, do the work that, that only you can do. Set your people free. You are the good, great chief shepherd. You know every person in this room. You know those that need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. You know those that, that whose hearts are for you. You know those who want their hearts to be for you, but, but honestly, they, maybe they're more passionate about other things. You're so good. You're so powerful. You're so skillful. You can do what needs to be done in this room. We call on you. We commit this to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name of authority, the name of access, the name that we love. You said that he is a name above every other name, and we would cry out to you today that that is right. Nobody deserves to have a greater name than him. Nobody is like him. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to those of us that know him. We commit to you all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen.